Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to New Business Paradigms. I'm Christy Jansen, Chief of Staff at the World Business Academy, and I'm here with Ronaldo Brutico, the Academy's president and founder. The World Business Academy is a 501c3 nonprofit action incubator dedicated to elevating the consciousness of people in the business community and encouraging business leaders to use their power and influence to take greater responsibility for the communities and the environment their work touches. We are recording this show on February 11th, 2020. Before we get going, I would like to invite our listeners to reach out to us at info at worldbusiness.org for questions or comments about today's show, or if you have anything you would like to us to discuss in future programs. We'd love to hear from you. As always, you can listen to us on the go using Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio. Just search World Business Academy, subscribe, and post a good feedback on those apps if you like what we're doing. I would also like to remind everyone, you can check out our weekly radio show and podcast, Solutions News. Just send us a note if you want to find out how to listen to that program. Great. So, Ronaldo, it's February 11th. What are we going to talk about today? Well, I, you know, we almost have to start whether we like it or not with the Trump budget. I, I agree. You know, I mean, it's the front page lead article in the New York Times, uh, and it's relevant for several reasons. First of all, it's a $4.8 trillion budget, which is a budget-busting bill. Um, you know, there's, there's no conceivable way that uh, we're not going to go past the trillion in no conceivable way we're not going to go past the trillion dollar deficit this year. Uh, I think that, that, that even under Trump's projections, they're saying that we'll be at about 98 to 100 uh, percent debt to GDP within the next five years. Uh, I think that's optimistic. I don't think it'll take five years to get there because there's two assumptions in, built into that number which are faulty. One is they're assuming incorrectly that money will continue to be as cheap as it is today. I'm not sure that's true but that's what they're assuming indefinitely. Number two, they're assuming a very high growth rate that's much higher than we're currently sustaining. So in the last budget, when he did the tax bill, he predicted that they would have a three to 4% annual GDP growth. And so we finished last year at about 2.3%. Right. I think we're looking at 2.1% this year, if we're lucky. If we're lucky. If we're very, very lucky. And I think the wheels are starting to come off the bus. Now, you never know because the, the wheels should have come off this bus a year ago, a year and a half ago, the tax bill, kept things going because the rich wanted to spend all the extra cash they got. 95% of the tax bill went to the benefit of corporations and the rich. And when the corporations got the money, they gave it to executives and share owners in the form of share buybacks. And we're going to talk mm -hmm. a little bit later about share buybacks because there's a major story about that mm -hmm. from J.P. Morgan Chase today. Anyway, uh, uh, so this, this Trump budget is complete fi fiction. Uh, of course, it won't get through the Congress in this fashion because even the Democrats in the House will stop it. And it's, it continues the war on the poor that they've been yeah, yeah, dealing it, with. Yeah, it's like it's Any kinds of social safety nets. And yeah, and, and I think, you know, you, I think 700,000 people are going to lose their, um, their uh, uh, SNAP. The food stamps. Food stamps, the Food right? stamp program. So right. I, what does that do to the economy? When 700,000 people 
can't buy milk, in effect. Right. And it's got to hurt us. Because um, as you've heard me say on the program before, what's been buoying the economy, what's been making it go up, most of all, is the increase in minimum wage. Because 100% of that gets spent, where right. 100% of what you give the very wealthy goes into their bank account mm -hmm. and just accumulates more wealth at the top. So the Trump budget is a non-starter, for sure. But look at it carefully. What it says is more military, more nuclear weapons, higher speed nuclear weapons, less enforcement of uh, clean air, clean water, less money for the poor, huge whack at Medicaid, I think an 800, $800 million whack to Social Security, Medicare. I, I think that's nuts. I mm -hmm. think that the people in Florida don't like that. No. White people that are old don't like that any more than black people that are young. I mean, so I think he's attacking across the spectrum of interests. And what he's counting on is that the 34% that he had in his cult at the beginning of his office, and now it's probably as high as 38, 39%. It's not 49. That's a mistake, I'm sure. It's an outlier poll. So, it, it, you know, that, that's, that's almost, you know, one in, it's more than one in three. It's, 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 it's above 33%. So that group of people is willing to drink the Kool-Aid no matter what's being served. And I got to tell you, if you see Trump on, on, on Fifth Avenue, walk the other way because with, if he's got a gun, he can shoot you, and now it's legal for him to do so. And I say that quoting John Meacham. So John Meacham, the gifted historian, said, you know, that what the Senate's done is they've unleashed Trump to do whatever he wants because there is now no conceivable thing for which he can be held liable. And I think that's an important thing to start with because if we don't recognize the degree of instability that that injects into our political system, we're not looking at the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. and, and the forest really is a bunch of trees. And this, these trees are, are dangerous. And some of those trees are these budget declarations. Now, the declaration of a, of a, of a sitting administration and their budget is their talking points. Right. It isn't what they it's not what they're going to actually end up with. No, no. But what it tells you is where their head's at. Mm -hmm. So if, if that's where we're headed for the next mm -hmm. year or two or three, despite the fact, by the way, that Congress had a deal with him that there would be no change in the ratios in the budget for at least through 2020. Mm -hmm. And this is an attempt to change it before that two years is up. Well, he feels, he feels entitled at this point. He feels, he feels empowered. Vindicated, I, empowered. And as Meacham yeah. said, he's an autocrat. He's, a, he's the king. He's, mm -hmm. he's, he's got all the power George III had it's that the, we wanted to take away from him. It's the imperium. Yeah, <laughs> it's and, the Roman imperium. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, as, and the as, start of Augustus. Yeah, and as other commentators have noted, the, the, the Roman Senate didn't stop the day Caesar became emperor. They no. continued to function, just they were nothing. They, they were just, just they, they ceded their power. Until they killed them. <laughs> just, don't know that there's an analog there or not, but no. it was the Senate that off Caesar right. ultimately. It was, but then Augustus came in and, and it, the, the, the Republic was done. The Republic was done. The Republic was the, done. Yeah. You know. And so why that's worth observing, because this is not a political comment, folks. This is not an anti-Trump, pro-democratic thing. This is about... What's the system of politics that we live in that the economics is attached to? So I've said for years and years and years, going back at least 35 years, you cannot look at an economy in isolation of the society which gives it birth. Mm -hmm. So we are, we are a function of those social choices being made moment by moment, week by week, month by month, year by year. Many of the choices that are getting made on the local level are actually getting made better. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a lot of progress we could point to just in the Santa Barbara community, uh, look what happened after the debris flow in Montecito, the, the, the resilience that's, that's showing up in, in, in civilian efforts like mm -hmm. the Bucket Brigade, et cetera. It's all been very exciting to see people come together as a community and say, you know what, we better like get our act together. If there was a community that was really detached from everyday politics, it was Montecito. Right. Because you were so wealthy to live there, you had your own castle mm -hmm. and you didn't care what they did in the castle next door. 
Everybody had their own drawbridge. So now they're coming to you and saying, well, wait, you know, even if you got a castle, you got to have a right. confederation of castles to protect you from the flood. Even the presidential suite on the Titanic went down. That's right. Even you know? the owner's suite on the Titanic is not yeah. a good berth. So I think that the issue is, and if, you, if people want to look at the um, New York Times article, for example, today in the cover story, it, it basically is projecting $3.4 trillion to national debt by 2024. That's a lot of debt. So we're, 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 we're really going up. I mean... This, this idea, and, and, and I'm not a debt hawk, I, I, I'm not conventionally, I think there's a lot of ways to do that, but, but I think we're doing it backwards. You're supposed to do debt when your economy is faltering to, pro, to prime up the ability to recover from a recession. When you pump this way, which the Fed's been doing at Trump's request for three years, when the economy has been growing, even though it's slowing down, and certainly would have stopped growing, but for the, what Fed has done this last 12 months, you, you, you get a very distortive effect. Mm-hmm. And so we, and, and that distortive effect doesn't mean you're exempt forever from the consequences of bad judgments. You're not. It just means it takes a little while longer for that balloon to fall from the sky. So it's not an empty balloon. It's still got some air in it, but it is going to come down. And it is coming down because the growth is down to 2.1% or lower this year. And it's conceivable you're going to see the final correction in the stock market. One of my favorite articles, let me turn to that, um, in, in, in the Wall Street Journal uh, just last week, was saying that the traders on Wall Street are really getting ready for basically permanent volatility, at least through the election in Racing 2020. Racing for big moves. Big moves. And by the way, that's in their economic interest. Traders make money when there's volatility. They don't do well when there's not. So the fact that the traders are saying, well, we're going to have a lot of volatility, that's really them signaling to each other they're going to make a lot of extra money because every time it goes up or down, they make money. But there's a bigger thing going on that's got to be worth noticing, and that is this. What I think they're also signaling, they're signaling to each other that the party might be over. See, volatility is a disguised word for wild swings in the market. And every time we've had a wild swing in the market in the last year, it has bounced back. Many people think, and I would believe that Jamie Dimon, who runs Chase Morgan, I'll come to that in a second, would agree, and he's certainly one of the big bad boys on Wall Street, if not the biggest, that there is now the possibility that the market is so high in valuation that Morgan Stanley can, uh, Morgan, Chase Morgan, rather, not Morgan Stanley, Chase Morgan, Morgan, will not be able to do any more stock buybacks because the price of their stock is too high, okay? So if the price of the stock is too high, that you can't even do a stock buyback, which is what Morgan, what Jamie Dimon did with Chase with the tax break of two years ago with the excess cash that's being pumped by the Fed, because every time the Fed does this, banks make a ton of money. Remember, mm-hmm. the, the banks get to borrow at basically one and a quarter percent, and they can lend it out at 8%, and they get to keep the difference. And by the way, they can even buy government bonds at one and a half to 2% and keep the difference. So they can take the money from the government, buy a government bond, which is lending money to the government, and the difference, or as we should say in the movie business, the vigorish, the slop between the two. Okay is could be anywhere from half to three quarters of a point. And when you do that on billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars, it's big money. It's big so money. that's what the banks right. have been doing. Yeah. So Diamond, Chase Morgan, is now saying, we, our stock may be so high we can't even afford to buy it back even if you give me the money. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing admission. Also on the front section of the second section of the front page of the Wall Street Journal. So the traders are signaling, we don't know how to keep this going because the upside is so limited now. Mm-hmm. Going sideways looks like the most likely thing, and I would say that's whistling past the graveyard. I think sideways is a you were saying, optimist outcome. You were saying earlier that the 
you expect a drop of 20 to 30 percent. Yeah. And that's at that's, least that's something that's coming uh-huh. in the stock. And, and it's validate, overinflated. And to validate our prior predictions. So in case anybody thinks I was wrong when I said, for example, in um, October 2018, when I said buy gold, uh, which was then trading at $1,214 an ounce. Today it's trading at $1,572 an ounce, which I would point out is a 30% increase in the value of gold where you have zero risk because there's no downside to gold. It's only, it only goes up in, in times of stress, which we are increasingly entering into. Come back to that in a moment. And it also goes up in times of inflation. So we don't have any inflation. We have negative inflation right now. But we have so much stress, so much fear, and the fear is building. And everything that Trump does with his budget will continue to stress that fear. Everything that's going on with Brexit will continue to create that fear. Uh, everything that's going on with Africa will create that fear. Did you hear that they're going to, this is a true story, I can't believe this. I read this yesterday. The, the nation of Greece is going to build a floating fence off the island of Lesbos. Miles and miles of fence. This sounds like the Trump wall. To try and block refugees? The, the refugees. Wow. Now, First of all, I get the problem. I mean, Greece is going. Lesbos is the first stop on the railroad. Sure, railroad. but what is that going to do to their fishing industry? How, well, do, how do you? How do you? That's a ridiculous. You know, it, it, look, is the wall going to stop people from coming to Mexico? <laughs> no. no. What's stopping people from coming from Mexico is their economy is better in Mexico right now than it is here. <laughs> that's what's, that's why the the trend is reversed. Mexicans are better off in Mexico, even with the violence, than they are trying to get a job here in America. Okay, that said, what I'm, what I'm driving at here is the traders are signaling that the market has maxed out. So as right as I was in October of 2018 to tell you to buy gold, which has gone up as I said, 30% since then, and if I take even the one year year over year average, the Dow was only up about 16% and gold's up 20% this year alone. Uh, so to me, there's no question that it was a better investment than the stock market. And I go to sleep with my gold portfolio every night knowing I'm gonna be richer in the morning or worst case, I'm gonna go sideways. But I'm not going to go down. And the market is the exact opposite. If you are in the market today with a 401k, you better be figuring out what you're going to do when you lose your 20 or 30%. Mm-hmm. And then what happens to you? So I think that people need to see the market volatility as their enemy, not their friend, even though the traders do see it as their friend. Right. Because well, that's, that's how they make that's a living. Okay. So we did that. Let's talk about those economic indicators. Um, we haven't talked about the VIX in a long time. So the VIX went in the wrong direction for a long time because people bought the scenario. Which do you want to explain what VIX Okay. The volatility. Yeah, the, the volatility index on the Chicago Board of Exchange. So the VIX, which is a, an index that goes in reverse to what people think will happen. So if you think something bad's coming, the VIX goes up. If you think the market's going to go good, then the VIX goes down. So it, it's, it's strictly trying to predict the future direction of the stock market. Okay? Now that's tied in some small ways to the economy, but not directly. It's really directly tied to the stock market. So we've been fans of the VIX for a while, and, and when the VIX dropped, um, I hung in there with it for you know a couple of years now, and the VIX is now starting to come back and starting to go up again. So I don't, I'm not worried that I won't come out as good or better than when I bought into the VIX, but I, I, I want to point out the reason the VIX is going up, just particularly this last week, is because of the instability and the trader's article I just referred to. The fact that somebody as smart as J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon, can't figure out how to buy any more stock back. And that's what's been keeping the stock prices up. Like, I, uh, you know, I, I was asking about this that I looked into. Like, how good are the consumer stocks doing? So a consumer stock would be Alphabet, right? No spectacular quarter at all. Pretty much flat. Uh, Ford clearly underperformed with its reports. Uh, Disney, 
as good as the movies are doing for Disney, still slight decline in the stock market. Mm -hmm. Why? Because all those stocks are so high, it takes something extraordinary now to move them to a higher level. And, and I don't see anything extraordinary coming. I really don't. And that means that you're in trouble in the market. So if you're listening to the show, get out of the market before you get in trouble further. Please, you've had a good run, you got lucky, uh, get out of it. Because you do not want to be stuck in this market where the upside is gone, sideways is volatile, and down is more likely. Go to gold, go to the VIX, or put the money where you can best use it for yourself. I still believe. Pay down your debts. Pay down, well, credit cards first. Yeah. Got to get rid of credit card debt. It's the, it's, it's, it's the bane of our existence. Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately, you can't do much about student loans yet because the government's rigged against you. Um, but when that's possible, if there is a possibility on that, and, and I do hope that the uh, Elizabeth Warren proposal that we eliminate all student debt, period, I think is a great proposal and something we should do. And to do it with the two cent wealth tax would be fine with me. Um, but I think that the issue really is when you look at the VIX, it's going to continue going up now. Gold up dramatically, better than the stock market, gonna continue going faster than the stock market, eventually stock market's coming down. Let's look at oil. Oil's now below $50 a barrel. So we just, um, the price on a gallon of gas just got adjusted down by seven cents, I guess, on Friday. I'm gonna predict another 10 cents is coming soon. Why is this happening? Because we have more gas, petroleum products than we can possibly use. And when you see the global economy slowing the way it is, and I'm gonna come back to that with China, then it means that the demand for, for oil keeps going down mm -hmm. at the same time when the US is pumping more and more through the fracking. Right. I think we're a net exporter at this point. We are, we are. We're probably the largest single source of oil on the planet right now, I'm guessing. Not to mention natural gas. Yeah, and... natural gas, we're really huge at that as well. And, and both of these are deadly, right? I mean, and, and so for those people who think you can pump fossil fuels and whether natural gas or oil or coal, People pretty much have given up on coal. Oil and natural gas and not pay the penalty in climate change. Go live in places like um, Alabama last Thursday, which got hit with a twister in January. That's not supposed to be able to happen because you're not supposed to be able to get a cold and hot air mass to Clyde like that in January. January's supposed to be cold only. Right. Okay, so you've been seeing this weird weather going on back east now, right? One day it's 68 degrees, and the next day it's minus 10. You know, it's, it's just nuts. Why is that? Weather weirding is the outcome. So what I'd like to do is get people to look at the fact that there's always a nature. Whenever you take something from nature, you are going to give something up. Mm -hmm. When you take clean air away, you're going to give something up. It's going to be more weather weirding. It's going to be more damage to trailer parks, to mobile homes. Well, not to mention the, just the air quality. Well, the air quality too. But the, health, the health impacts. Right, just about the economics. Living, yeah. They, I mean, the yeah. economics alone are crazy. But those health impacts have a direct impact on economics. They do. They do. They do. They I do. Mean, people Absolutely. People can't work. They can't. They can't breathe. They, you know, kids. They go are, to the emergency room. Yeah. The, yeah. We'll do another show on Medicare at some point, <laughs> and 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 the whole our whole health. Yeah, so, uh, so I think that the... Healthcare issues. So oil is gonna to continue to go down. Mm -hmm. I predict consumer confidence will start to go down. It's up right now, I think it's gonna go down. I think that the jobs that were announced, the 225,000 mm -hmm. last month, I don't believe that number. <clears throat> it's, it sticks out, mm -hmm. it's very odd from the pattern which has evolved over the prior 12 months. Um, I, be, I believe it'll be revised down. Uh, looking for the paychecks number to come out instead of the government number, see what it says. Mm -hmm. But the even if the if the jobs stays at 150,000 or better per month, which I think it will, 
that's, that's a pretty hefty number. Mm-hmm. What will it take to reduce that? Well, let's take a look. We know that manufacturing, which was Trump's target industry, is in recession. We're more than two quarters now of negative manufacturing growth. And that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Manufacturing is not coming back in six months or nine months or 12 months. So what's going to pick up the slack? Well, we thought and hoped consumer spending. But if we dry up the funds available to people for consumer spending, then it's hard, even if you're confident, that you'll have the money to spend to keep the economy going. Mm -hmm. And right now, that confidence is based on an artificial belief that everything is rosy. So what we're all being entertained with is a reality TV show that isn't real. And so people who are smart are lightening up their debt loads, starting Mm -hmm. with credit cards first, then whatever you can get rid of, and if you've got a if you've got a mortgage at seven percent or more, it's time to refinance. And I think the, the mortgage rates are still pretty low. Very low, right three now. and a half, three yeah. quarters, three yeah. three quarters. So I'd refinance and get mm-hmm. that out. Uh, I was pointing out to a good friend of mine just the other day, who's sixty six, I believe, and uh, he was concerned about his cash position. I said, "Well, look, you've got a whole lot of excess equity in your house. Why don't you borrow some money from your kids?" He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, do a reverse mortgage." Take a hundred grand out because your wife's been sick, and that way you won't be sweating whether or not you can afford her drugs. But that only works for a short time, right? If you keep getting drained like that, sooner mm-hmm. or later you can't keep doing that. But it's you know it's a quick way to get a hundred grand, kind of thing. So there are ways to keep spending going, even if the if your income isn't keeping up with you. Mm-hmm. But that only goes for so long. And I think that what you're going to find is we'll get some positive lift to consumer spending from the reduction in gasoline prices, and we're going to get negative lift from almost everything else. So. I'm not really comfortable. Uh, I said we would talk about real estate investment trusts or REITs. I don't know if we're going to have time to go into it much today because we're really running short on time. But um, I would be against investing in REITs that are building commercial or industrial properties because I believe they won't come on the marketplace soon enough to take advantage of the current economic climate. And by the time you get to market with it, you could find your investment badly compromised. Conversely, the REITs that have specialized in medium-priced to low-priced housing, they're golden. Mm-hmm. I don't like high-end REITs. I mean, the, the best condominiums in Miami Beach are not going to maintain their value, period. So I think a REIT that's concentrating on high-end condos on Miami Beach, I'd stay away from it. Well, I think any real estate play in Miami is probably not a good one. I agree, but, but by the way, they're building tall buildings with expensive condos. I to this day. It. I mean, yeah. every day their cranes are there. So, I, But I do like REITs for... Conventional housing, affordable housing. I like Section 8 REITs. Mm-hmm. A very creative idea that I was mm-hmm. exposed to where you could literally set up a company that would be designed to do Section 8 construction. Mm-hmm. And I was very intrigued by it. There's a company in Los Angeles successfully doing that. I think that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. in that kind of a REIT. Um, and I think that multi-dwelling, multi-unit dwelling is, makes a lot of sense because I think renting is going to continue to be a bigger part mm-hmm. of our housing solution. Um, yeah. So I think those are the kind of REITs I'd go with. And then, uh, last but not least, I think that the um, what I'm looking for uh, in the next, say, 90 days, so close in, I'm looking for some reality to set in on people's thinking about what is economically sensible right now. And what I'm expecting will happen is that people will become more and more aware of their potential economic vulnerability. If that is true, consumer confidence will go down. That's what I'm basing it on. Now, let's say I'm wrong and consumer confidence doesn't go down. You still can't spend your way out of this problem because there's not enough money coming in to do that. 
So since the spending has to be done by those of us who aren't in the top one-tenth of one percent, it's not conceivable to me that consumer spending alone will keep us afloat indefinitely. And I don't think it's going to happen because I think consumer confidence is going to start dropping. So we'll see. Now, one other thing that's going to prop it up, I believe, prop up consumer confidence is you have a shattered uh, democratic field, meaning you've got so many different voices that nobody's the spokesperson of the loyal opposition, if you will. And you've got Trump and his entire cabinet and, and group touting what they believe to be an economic miracle, which, which isn't. I mean, it's not even true that it's not even an economic miracle, but that's what they're touting. So people will tend to believe that. And when they tend to believe that, their confidence will stay up Mm -hmm. and they will keep spending as long as they can until they run out of money. And I believe that the consumer is going to get smart sooner rather than later. So we'll see. Let's watch the next 90 days and see what happens. That'd be very interesting to see because what you're saying basically is the emperor has no clothes, which we're talking about. The fundamentals are bad. Are we, when when is the kid going to (laughs) be out there shouting to the crowd? The emperor's got no clothes. Well, I think um, some of us are, yeah. but they're not listening. I mean, Krugman's right, been saying when, it, when Stiglitz, will, me, right, others. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's clear that, that there's plenty but of. But when will people start listening? When will will the, I think the shades the, come off? I think that it's um, as to about thirty five percent of the public. I don't think the shades will come off. I mean, look, there's a recession going on in farming. We put twenty eight billion dollars of socialist money, right? Trump always likes to talk about social, Bernie's a socialist. Nothing's bigger than $28 billion as a socialist, and they're yeah. not a penny coming back to us. To farmers? No. They're still going broke. <laughs> they're still going broke at the highest rate in probably 20 years on an annual basis. And, and uh, none of that money comes back to us. It's all gone. We reformed the entire automobile industry, got it all back with a profit, and we only put in, what, $7 billion? I think something 7 to $10 billion. So, I mean, we're getting nothing for our money mm-hmm. except, you know, soybeans that are sitting in silos. because they're not getting shipped to China anymore. And then when you add the Chinese situation, which I said I wanted to come back to, I'm going to do one thing before I go to China, and then I'm going to end in China. Uh, Interesting development in shopping centers. As you know, I'm still involved in a number of shopping centers. And all mine are in good shape, thank God. Uh, But about 10 years ago, 8, 10 years ago, I started talking to my partners about repurposing shopping centers. Mm Because you could see Amazon coming 10 years ago. It wasn't a surprise. If you, if you looked, you could see it coming. Yeah, you could see it coming. It was what they were doing to books. They were going to do everything else. And, you know, I don't think we all saw it coming as big as it became. Mm-hmm. But you could see it having an impact. Well, certainly five years ago, it was clear that people were going to stop spending as much money in stores, brick and mortar, and start spending more money online. Mm-hmm. So I started saying to my partners, we've got to repurpose this particular shopping center I was talking about. And what I want to do is I want to build a 10-story tower. Because in the thirty to 40,000 square feet that Bye Bye Baby used to occupy and pay us mm-hmm. a nice retail rent for, mm-hmm. that's empty now. Great. Let's dig a hole in the ground and put some steel in it and go up 10 stories. And let's do houses and maybe a few offices, but probably houses. You know, units, apartments. Mm-hmm. And let's do it because we've already talked about the fact that multi-unit dwellings are a great investment right now, and particularly for millennials who like to live in close and have fewer cars. Right. So it's the perfect time to repurpose. And then I see this story last week, which is why I'm bringing it up now. So I'm very proud of the fact I came up with that about Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, and and, and about a year ago, my two years ago now, my partner said, you know, we're going to really start pursuing that. I see this story about how they're going to start turning shopping centers into kitchens. Right. Commissary right. kitchens. Com- commissary kitchens. Commissary food, kitchen. food delivery factories. Yeah, so, so, right. So no customers sitting in chairs, <laughs> but the Grubhub right. in, in the mall. Right. And the idea is they got all parking spaces for the drivers, 
they created a 5,000 square foot kitchen is the idea, and, and, and some very big companies are doing this, by the way, some of the largest retail developers in, in the country, like the, the Simon Malls are experimenting with it. And they put in 5,000 square foot kitchen, and now you can go in there and you can make whatever the burger is that you were gonna have to set up a separate store for, and so you don't have some of the expenses associated with a retail outlet, but you got the food, because now 19% right. of the total outgoing budget for food from restaurants is delivered. Right. Which I think is amazing. That's so the now they're not, they're not even creating that food in those restaurants. They're now creating them, they're, they're outsourcing that, that. To a commissary kitchen. To a commissary kitchen. Right. So you've got, what, McDonald's yeah. and, yeah. and, yeah. and all, now you, you can know, also do, and you can do. And even the higher end. Yeah, you, higher you can do end. airplanes. Right. You, you could do food for United <laughs> Airlines if you want one of those things. Sure. So, and, and, you, and you could also tie it to somebody's um, uh, campus that, you know, some 100, 200, 300,000 square foot office complex. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's, that's a fascinating development. And why am I talking about that? Because when you see something like that in an industry where it gets whacked so hard and it starts to innovate itself into a new, into a new generation, that's exciting. That's mm -hmm. very, very exciting because it means that we can repurpose those assets. Many industries aren't doing that, and so they're not getting repurposed. And I think the shopping industry is going too slow, but at least they got the picture. Mm -hmm. Now let's end with China. Really quickly this. China shutdown is an enormous drag on the global economy. It's not just that, itself, that's, that iPhones aren't being built and that parts for General Motors aren't being delivered. Um, what you're talking about is an enormous disruption of the entire global economic Absolutely. chain. I was and, reading an article about just the pharmaceutical industry depends on the Chinese manufacturing for a lot of the medications that we use every day. Well, in fact, in, I believe 90% of the vitamin C we consume in America comes from China. Right. It's an example. Nine zero. Hello. Hello. So yeah. one of the things I have heard, which is completely stupid, which I want to repeat, is that, great, that'll force us to get back into manufacturing. No, won't happen. What it does is it cuts off extremely complex supply lines. Mm -hmm. So even if you wanted to repurpose your manufacturing in the United States, you'd have a couple of years to turn that around. Mm -hmm. And that would be in the face of dramatically bad economic conditions, because mm -hmm. when the global economy goes down, the US goes down. In fact, uh, the trade deficit, which went, which is going in the right direction briefly, I'll just end with this. People think it's great because we, the trade deficit went down. The reason it went down is not because um, we stopped um, exporting, although we stopped about 1.5 billion less exports this year, which is bad. Somebody else sold stuff to people that we didn't sell. But our imports dropped by 12.5 billion, which means that we- We're buying less from overseas. And, and so we're selling less we're from selling overseas. Less. So the combined has gone down, mm -hmm. and if the fracking wasn't happening, which has other deleterious aspects, we would be in a situation where the deficit was actually right. rising. Uh, so and our so, exports are buoyed by the oil exports. Yeah. we're a net exporter now of oil. Yeah, so soybeans sitting in silos <laughs> is an example of what's going on wrong for the farmers. China unable to ship. And I don't know how long it's gonna last, mm -hmm. but every day that it lasts, it's doing some damage. Mm -hmm. And more and more of it will be felt. Probably not for another 30 days because most Chinese supply lines are 30 to 60 days long. Mm -hmm. But we're in now our second week, and it's not just Wuhan anymore. So I just think we should keep our eye on it. Uh, I don't think the coronavirus is as dangerous as a health crisis as the flu, because the flu has infected 19 million people, and this thing is like 40,000, 40,000. 40, 40, now. Yeah, and 600 people have died from that. No, 10,000 have died from the flu. have thousand, died at but, this point, but, as of today. But 10,000 with the flu. I mean, right. the, the flu is a much bigger problem. Absolutely. And it's much more 
virulent and everywhere. And it's all over the place. It's everywhere. This is still contained. So the coronavirus, I'm not as afraid of from that point of view, although it has to be contained because it's mm -hmm. so virulent. I'm more concerned about public health generally, and I think we ought to touch on that in one of our upcoming shows. Mm -hmm. We should start talking about the public health crisis. There is a crisis in There is a health. crisis, and it's not just the funding. It's on delivery. Yeah. It's on every aspect. It's, yeah. So for that, we'll leave it for another day because I think we're out of time, but I'm really glad we had to a chance to cover yeah. all these things. I'm sorry that we're as negative as we are today, <laughs> but frankly, I looked hard for positive, and I could not find yeah, it. Yeah, and I think we're going to try to do another show this month in February. This is our, our half-hour show. We're going back to our twice a month. Yeah, you know what I'm going to do with that show? I want to see. We just went back into inversion. Last week, we weren't there again. Now we're back. So now the, the six-month carries, um, well, we're not, we're not in inversion, but we're so close to right at the line. Mm -hmm. okay? So that when, when you get paid more money to hold something for six months than 10 years, it means you're in inversion territory, and that is a very scary place to be. So with that, I'm going to say thanks very much. We're going to wind up the show the today. yield curve, in Look. other words. We want to talk about the yield curve next time. We're going to talk about the yield yeah. curve. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And please send us some questions. It would be much more fun for us to answer questions if we had them. And we would love to have them. Thanks, everybody. See you in a couple weeks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.